Welcome back, beautiful soul. What is up? Wednesday, already into July. <laughs> Hopefully, if you are in the US, you had a good holiday weekend. It always kind of drives me nuts when months start on a Friday because then by Monday, I'm like, wait a minute, we're already like nearly a week in and I don't know what it is. I always kind of feel a little bit like, you know, taken. <laughs> Do you feel me? Do you know what I mean? Maybe you don't. I don't know. I like it when they start on Monday. That's just me and my own little super particular way I like things to work and start. And yeah, it's pretty funny. I had a an intern a couple of years back and I would always say, I know I'm anal. I know I'm anal. And she was like, no, Anna, you are particular. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you make me sound so much nicer. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, anyway, random side, a random aside. Oh my gosh, do I have such an amazing discussion for you today? Beautiful, beautiful discussion that is going to be so helpful for you in a number of ways. You know, Bloom is someone who, and you'll hear me talk about this briefly. I had listened to an interview with her back in 2020 and of course, it had been so long when I finally reached out to her. I didn't fully remember why I had really resonated with her, but I had. And I had been doing her videos that are on YouTube, which you'll hear more about as well, and love her work. But I couldn't remember why it was I clicked with her so much. And then in the midst of this discussion, we we had a discussion we had a discussion that's like between two friends, two people who know each other really well, not just like interviewer, interviewee, you know, like everyone's overly super polite. She pushed back on some of the things that I shared. I pushed back on her. It was awesome. And it was, it was sweet. Cause like afterwards she was like, I'm sorry, you know, if I pushed back on you and I was like, no, I love that. Right. Because I'm just like you, we're all learning. Everyone is learning. You know, nobody knows all things. And for me, I can only share my experience. You know, I'm still, I'm only like three years into this wild journey of mine. And um, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are in similar places, some who are a lot more experienced and that's awesome. Regardless, you know, like, I love having authentic conversations. And I realized in the midst of one of her pushbacks, it was like, boom, this is why I had liked her so much is because she's just real. She is just who she is. She is powerful. She is wise. She has a lot to bring to the table. <clears throat> Probably should edit that out, but this is the real deal here. <laughs> um, and the thing is, is that those are the discussions that I want to tune into, that I want to hear. Because I think that honestly, in the midst of those more real conversations, right, when people are being like, um, I disagree, and oh, no, let me push like here, or let me say this, or wait a minute, this is my perspective. Then you get like more of a multi-faceted conversation, right? And at least for me anyway, Miss Super Nerd over here, those are my favorite, absolute favorite. 
So, I mean, the things that we're going to be talking about today, especially around energetic protection, huge, 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 and will be so helpful for you. You know, I've been trumpeting this for a while, and I actually made a gorgeous uh, video on YouTube. Wait, <laughs> I don't know that it's gorgeous, but it's a great video on YouTube last week for my first soul talk, specifically focused on energetic protection. But, um, you know, going deeper on this with Bloom is fantastic because she's been around the block, right, for almost 25 years. And the methods and the ways that she goes about being energetically sovereign is different in her in her own way than I think a lot of us are who are newer on our journey and potentially not, right? But the whole point is that you get information from multiple sides and I personally think that'll be more interesting and more helpful for you. We also talked about her background a bit as a shaman what that is, how it feels. I was really curious too to hear what her perspective was on regarding like the traits of a shamanic soul. I know that there's a lot of debate in the new age community about shamanism and appropriation and these sorts of things. And, you know, that's not what we're going to be talking about. That's like a entirely different discussion, a beautiful discussion, but not what we jumped into today. And then also cacao, which, oh my gosh, I love, love, love working with cacao. And I was curious to talk to her about it. I had never talked to someone who worked with it in ceremony the way that she does. And yeah, that discussion kind of continued after we had recorded and I definitely want to go join join one of her cacao ceremonies. So you will be learning so much in this episode. So before I introduce you to her and share her beautiful bio, <laughs> sometimes I just can't speak and I just have to straight up stop. It's like, oh, getting ready to like just take a tumble here. So let me stop. I have a couple of amazing announcements for you. Very, very exciting things. So like I shared, check out the YouTube. You'll find all the links to everything. Of course, show notes, new video there for you on energetic protection. I talk about how I do this for myself. I also share a link to a blog um, where you can get more information, try out different practices that might resonate more with you. Also a heads up that I am now publishing episodes on Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you can get those because I won't be sending out emails. And um, yeah, I, I these are going to be great segments on all kinds of things. I'm finally starting to get to the place where I can start pushing these out. So it's only a matter of time. Um, third, only one more week to join the Access the Akashic Records workshop. So if you love the Akashic Records, if you've been really curious about them, let me tell you something first of all, like you don't need to be anyone fancy or have any sort of like psychic abilities that you're aware of because everyone has psychic abilities to learn how to read the Akashic Records. I promise you, I owned a marketing agency <laughs> for a decade before stepping into this work. I you know, I've always been a very spiritual person and I would say an intuitive person, but like, quite frankly, like that doesn't set me apart from anyone else. We are all intuitive 
period, bottom line, and all psychic, period, bottom line, just in different ways. But if you have been curious about the Akashic Records, this is a beautiful, beautiful workshop to join. It is a beginner workshop, but you will walk away with all of the tools to begin your personal practice. You do not need to be live. You'll get the replay and and all the things um, sent out the following day. It's just a beautiful time to come together. I love, love, love hosting these workshops and have so much fun. I, I basically don't even sleep the night of them because getting to see other people access the Akashic Records and experience things just... It does something special. I love it. I, I get so hyped. Um, or I end up in tears because I'm just so full of love and just, yeah. I know people's lives are going to change because that's what the Akashic Record does for you. So again, one more week to sign up. Also, tickets are limited and I'm not sure where we're at right now, but there will, <laughs> there will be a cutoff point. So if this has been calling for you, now is the time. Also, of course, I am going to, well, I've got the 10% off my Akashic readings right now, but that's only going to be extended through the end of July. So if you have been on the fence about this, make sure to grab it. Of course, my readings are not going anywhere, but you know, 10% off. Everyone likes to save some money, especially right now. So this is a beautiful time to connect reconnect with yourself, find out where you're at on your path, you know, your life purpose, dive into relationships, finances, health, anything that is relevant and important to you. I've been doing major healing sessions with clients lately. It's just been blowing my mind and my services are actually getting ready to change. So exciting things on the way one step at a time though (laughs) and then finally super excited because the july akashic toolkit the very first one is available for purchase download only nine bucks it is a toolkit that i'm going to be creating every month moving out here that will be supportive of the akashic forecast and help you along the way throughout the month so what you'll receive in this toolkit is a is the Akashic forecast for the month. So a reading that you can listen to at any point in time without all my mumbo jumbo. Um, you will receive a gorgeous workbook with tools, resources, anything that I feel intuitively led, channeled to pull into this, in addition to some uh, journaling prompts and just things to really help you to fully connect with the monthly theme. Every month, these are going to be different. So, you know, I I can't fully go into detail about what they're going to be, but you can definitely check them out. And then also you're going to get an Akashic activation that will really just help you to come into alignment, rebalance, you know, reconnect with yourself, remove any sort of debris, just step back into your own beautiful energy and support again just whatever it is the monthly theme is this month is connecting with yourself so it's gonna be all about that and just establishing that relationship so if this is of interest to you it's only nine bucks again link in the bio all right bloom post (laughs) bloom post is a ceremonialist shamanic healer teacher and author who lives in the appalachian mountains of western north carolina 
Bloom walks between the worlds to receive information, insights, and guidance in order to empower healing and transformation. She is the author of the book, Shaman's Toolbox, Practical Tools for Powerful Transformation, and Plant Spirit Totems. Bloom has studied in the U.S., Peru, India, and Guatemala, and some of her teachers have included an Appalachian shaman, a Native American Lakota elder, Buddhist monks and nuns, as well as Hindu swamis and a cacao shaman. A Reiki master teacher, she also received her yoga teacher training certificate in India in 2005. She's been intentionally training on her path since 1999 and leading ceremonies since 2006. I know you're going to love today's discussion. I'd love to hear how it resonates with you. Please do not hesitate to let me know. And thank you so much for being here. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, folks, and thank you so much for joining me for another beautiful soul-driven discussion Today, I am really excited to introduce you to our guest, Bloom Post, who's a ceremonialist, shamanic healer, teacher, and author. Welcome to Soul Driven Bloom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm very excited for this conversation, very excited for a lot of the topics that we are going to be covering today. So a little bit about how I came across Bloom. I listened to her first on a podcast interview back in 2020, and we were trying to figure that out, what podcast it was, but I can't remember. Um, But just so much of what she shared really resonated with me. I found her to be very open and interesting and soulful and ended up following her on YouTube and have utilized a number of the videos that she shares there for different processes, one of which is... um, cord clearing. And so that's one of the topics that we're going to be getting into today. And as many of you know, especially if you've been listening to the podcast, energy has been such an important topic. And so I'm really excited to be diving in uh, with Bloom on that and coming at it from a bunch of different areas. But before we dive into all of that, Bloom, my first question I ask all of my guests, what makes you soul driven? That's a great question. I would say that I'm soul driven because I'm my commitment to remembering who I really am, who I truly am and what I'm here to do my, what I would call my soul mission, um, which is really a big piece of my work on the planet with others. Um, The word driven is, is interesting. Language is really important to me and the power of language. And I was incredibly driven when I first started this work almost 25 years ago. And now I'm a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser. And it's interesting how the word driven and drive is changing for me. 
um, not that you mean it that way, but it's just an interesting languaging. So I was actually sitting with this idea of soul driven. Um, but as far as letting my soul drive the car, so to speak, um, yeah, it's really for me about remembering what we're truly capable of and embodying that in a very tangible way right here, right now on this planet. I love that. I love that you brought in like remembering who you are, mm -hmm. because I think that is such a huge part of the journey of being soul driven, right? Is, mm -hmm. is being able to reconnect with who we are on the inside, who we've always been, because how can we really be soul driven mm -hmm. if we don't remember that? Right. It's certainly yeah, an unfolding and a journey, but... Oh, for sure. If we don't remember who we are, then we fall back on habits and we fall back on the programs that are passed down, learned, inherited, DNA, what, how, what have you. And we end up letting the things around us determine our, our focus and our, our journey. And so really allowing that internal pillar to be activated and, and truly embodying our, you know, at the beginning, it's embodying our, our willingness to remember. <laughs> and then we get to this place where we start remembering and we're really embodying what some people call magic, what some people call power with a big P, not a little P, um, <laughs> what some people call soul infused, you know, there's lots of names for it. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a journey and it's a practice because there's always, always opportunities to get distracted to forget all over again, to think we've healed that. Oh, that's done. That's healed. I'm good. And then boom, there it is again. You know, the, it's a circular, like a labyrinth. It's this labyrinth and, you know, labyrinthine. I hope that's a word um, journey. <laughs> and yeah, so it, it is a practice. It's, it's not just, even when someone has like that enlightenment moment, then the practice really can amplify. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I, or even as I was saying just a moment ago, like, yeah, just like knowing yourself. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's such a huge thing. Right. <laughs> that's like such a lifelong thing. Like that doesn't just like, oh, Hey, this is who I am. Like freaking forget about it. Every time I think I have a little bit of a handle on who I am, then like things shift and change. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, Hey you, and, or right. some other side pops out and I'm like, oh, Okay, so there's that. And <laughs> yeah, and I feel part of the practice is to really enjoy that process. It does not feel fun all the time. It doesn't feel fun definitely at first. And it empowers a lot of learning experiences, the opportunity to let go of cultural baggage and the and the programming and the belief systems, the things that we think make us who they are. When we start to let that go, there can be a lot of cognitive dissonance. And that can be very distressing for people at lots of levels. So yeah, this idea of knowing who we are and allowing that to unfold and change. We're not static. It's like watching a flower. You know, the flower didn't start out a flower. It was a seed. The seed is just as vital and it returns to seed. And we, we have those cycles too. So just like you were saying, when we can, when we have those processes you're talking about, when we can learn to appreciate and, and explore that instead of going, ah, oh, dang it, another, you know, whatever, another, you know, then it, it definitely gets a little easier along the journey. Absolutely. Sure. We were talking about the importance of laughter even before we started recording. <laughs> 
So I am very excited to talk about multiple things today, but of course, before we do, I would love for you to introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background and how you came to the work that you're doing today. Um, sure. Bloom post. <laughs> um, I live in the mountains of Western North Carolina that are the oldest mountain range in the world, which I absolutely love. They're so ancient. They're these, they're these almost like grandmother mountains. They're very different than not better or worse, just different than the, the taller young mountains and other parts of the world and young being a relative term, of course. But these ancient mountains just carry so much medicine. And um, I grew up here and grew up with a lot of trauma and uh, abuse, narcissism, the whole nine yards, lots of things. And so I needed healing and I always felt drawn to um, mystical things, magical things. I didn't necessarily know what shamans were when I was young, but I was always drawn to, to those places. And so I don't know how old I was I'm trying to remember. I had a lot of challenges and lived a very asleep life um, while being incredibly sensitive and, and highly empathic. I didn't know that I was an empath. I didn't know what an empath was. I didn't know what a narcissist was. I didn't know about healing trauma, you know, those things. So I guess when I was 29 or so, I ended up in a psychiatric ward and I had um, what Maladoma Patrice Somme calls um, my birth as a healer. And Maladoma is a um, passed away in the last few months, a powerful teacher from Africa, um, just really such an inspiration. But learning later in life that that really was a big initiatory opening for me. And I ended up finding a shaman to work with shortly after that experience who changed my life and, um, and helped me stay on the planet because I don't know how I would have stayed on the planet if I had continued in that trajectory. I needed to be able to embody my gifts and my medicine and, and my, <clears throat> what the world might consider quirky or not normal or outside the box. And, you know, up until about 29, they felt like curses that my abilities felt like a curse, but after working with the shaman and then starting to learn from him and train with him, um, I realized this was all I wanted to do was heal. That's I wasn't even thinking about how I would do it with other people. I just wanted to heal. And so that morphed into recognizing my abilities as a, as a healer and as a ceremonialist and working with people to empower them to walk through those initiations and traumas as well. And I've been doing it since in some form or fashion since 1999. So it that's a very me... condensed version of my <laughs> life, but that's, that, those are the bullet points. It's, it's always interesting to me that those of us who grow up to step into that role of healer, come from very traumatic backgrounds and childhoods and, you know, at whatever point in life, it sounds like it was right around your Saturn return when things really shifted for you, but like we get activated and things start shifting and we want to then start helping others, you know, like I feel like it opens this door of compassion and understanding that, that those who don't 
have traumatic childhoods um, don't often have, at least that has just been in my experience. I think it really opens a different door. I find it very interesting. Hmm. I, I hear everything you're saying, and I, I do believe that it works that way for a lot of people. For me, it did those that's not the languaging I would use at all. It didn't feel like an activation. It felt like I was dead. It felt like I was absolutely torn to bits in the abyss of insanity. And so I absolutely had to go through a death initiation. And that's the shaman part. You know, I, I literally was dying. And I was dying for years and just didn't know it. And, and the, the psychiatric ward was like this culmination of this initiatory experience. And so perhaps I was activated in that moment. I definitely had activated experiences, but I can honestly, and I want to share this because I think pe- some people listening will hear the words that you're saying, but that might not be how it felt for them. So they might not understand that yes, that might be the moment where you're getting activated, but it sure doesn't always feel like that. You know what I mean? So, so I, it, for me, it was a death experience. It was a dying and coming out of that. I felt, I didn't feel any extra compassion for other people that I didn't already feel before. And at that time, what I felt was desperate to heal, desperate to heal, or I couldn't stay on the planet. And I, I want to be honest and authentic about that because often as you say, healers coming from these traumatic backgrounds, it can be messy. It's, it's not all gooey love and light. Not that you were implying that it was at all. I just <laughs> want to be clear that it, it can be, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're laughing from personal experience, but yeah, yeah, it can be really messy. And I'm always very authentic about that. And very honest. I did a TEDx talk where I talked about the psychiatric ward and how they said, you're not crazy. Take these pills. Then I meet a, this shaman who says, me might be crazy, but it's in a good way. Let me show you how to use it. And that's what changed my life. Not, not someone saying, you know, whatever it was, Hey, you're in the muck, you're in the shiz. Yeah. Medicine, let's do this. And so it was, it was a slog for a lot of years. And, but back to your point of, yes, many people who feel called to do some sort of healing work in the world often, more often than not, come from backgrounds where they needed healing. And and teachers are teaching what they need to learn. Healers are helping others with what that personal healer has needed to heal. And often we're walking other people through things we're still learning. We're never complete. We're never done. If someone thinks they're complete, then I don't, that's mind boggling to me. Because as you said, it's a journey. So yeah, it, perhaps it was an activated time around 29 years old, but it, I would say it was an in, initiation and it was a death and it was my first shamanic death of a few more that happened, even as I was working with people and leading ceremony, you know, the shaman's path is, is different than other paths in that it is a path of initiation. It is a path of death and rebirth very literally. And that's been lost in the Western um, colonizing of that, you know, term and that work. And it was not, I want to say it's not a path I chose, although I did, but not consciously per se. It's, I remember Shaman John was my first teacher and sitting with him and saying, can I get off this path at any point? Like, am I, (laughs) am I able, am I allowed? And he said, of course, I was like, you know, you know better. I mean, 
I have had to just, my guides have pulled me by my ear sometimes pouting and, you know, whatever, just not, you know, I can't do it anymore. And then the breakthrough. So it, for me, it felt like the breakdown before the breakthrough. And I'm grateful that I've done enough inner work that I don't generally have to have that kind of breakdown to break through anymore. But, but at the time it was my first breakdown, true breakdown for breaking through. And, and so, yeah, I do believe that it brings many people, many people with trauma do end up wanting to be in service to others, whether that's as a, a being the best soccer mom you can be or working at a bank or whatever it is, there's still that sensitivity because of what they experience. So ultimately I'm agreeing with you while also taking on a very <laughs> circuitous answer there, but it's important to me to be really honest and authentic about my experience. It was messy. No, absolutely. I mean, we talk about the mess a lot on soul driven and my, my path has also been extremely messy. My life has also been very messy. And, you know, I think that that is just part of it. It's part of the journey. And it's definitely like, this is the, the last, the last thing of, uh, or the last, the furthest away from light and love type of podcast. Um, it's just about being real here. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. Absolutely. And, and feel into all of that very much. I think that it is very important to be honest about, about what we go through. Um, and I think for me, you know, and this is just the word activation is actually something that's just come into my space really in the past month. And it really, I mean, like my activation that is just now taking place has been like two messy years in the making. So, and, and not to the point where I was in a psych ward, but everything falling apart so that it can be pulled back together. That very much that, um, death rebirth process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, you know, I was drawn to you and drawn to your story because I certainly remember resonating with just how genuine you were in that podcast. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm really curious, and this is just a bit of like a personal curiosity. So in regards to like the, like having this sort of shamanic soul is like, what is your relationship with nature and animals? Um, where does that, where does that lie for you? It's incredibly important. It's, it's, um, I don't feel that nature and animals are separate from me at all. Um, when I work in open sacred space, um, honoring the ancestors, especially the indigenous ancestors, I live on land that is um, Cherokee, ancestral land. Um, this whole area is not just, you know, the whole North Carolina, Western North Carolina. Um, honoring those who came before and honoring that, you know, the mountains are our ancestors, the trees are our ancestors, these animals are our ancestors, and we are ancestors right now, living and breathing. And I personally don't believe that time is linear. So the lifetimes, timelines, dimensions, and realms are all happening. So these ancestors are also having their experience as we are. That wasn't really your question. Your question was about nature, but nature <laughs> being nature being part of that ancestral energy. So for me, it's about listening and creating relationship with the natural world. The, the mountains have their own personalities and spirits. As I mentioned, the mountains here are so old 
and and they they curve like like a woman lying down on her side as opposed to being really pointy and jagged and and talking to particular mountains and connecting with the spirits of them and in the Andes, they call them Apus or Apukuna. The, the Apu is a mountain. It also means a king and a priest and some other things. But, you know, they, they believe that they each have their own spirit and that the spirit of the mountain can die if not, you know, cared for. And, and, and so we see that happening with development and things like that. I listen to even the songbirds. The songbirds will go nuts. Uh, on the land here, and I'll know that something's going on. Either a hawk is about, I, I usually hear the hawk before the songbirds tell me, or it means a bear's come through, or a cat decided to cruise into onto the land or something, you know, like, or sometimes they're just really happy, but I listen to them. They're communicating. They'll let you know. I know when it's getting ready to, to rain, besides looking at, you know, if a big storm is coming, my land gets really quiet and everybody's disappear, you know, things like that. When you're paying attention, it's the way people used to live. It's the way ancestors long ago would listen to nature. They knew when the tsunami was coming. They knew when the storm was coming. They knew when a bear or some kind of animal of prey was coming through because they're connected and listening. So for me, it's about relationship and connecting with animals and trees and plants and I, I mean gardening is my therapy I must have my hands in the earth during this season you know and and growing my own food and eating food as medicine which is also part of connecting with nature so yeah nature is incredibly important to to all of us but yes for sure important to the work that I do yeah my my favorite new uh, morning routine which started popping up in 2020. I, I I wasn't aware that because I live downtown um, here in Wilmington and um, we have a back stoop um, and honestly, I'd never really gone out on it, not really hung out on it. And then 2020, I started spending my mornings there and making friends with the birds and the squirrels. And like, it's just honestly kind of my favorite part of the day. I love starting, like, I can't sit out there and not be laughing and smiling. I can be in the worst mood because I can really wake up in some bad moods. But, like, all I have to do is go out there and, you know, give a peanut to one of my little squirrel friends. And, like, they just crack me up. They fill me with so much love. That's the best part about living in an urban area, too. I live in the country. These squirrels are like, we don't know you. We'll eat this <laughs> stuff you put out here, but we're not, we're not going to let you feed us a peanut, right? But when you're in town... The animals are not as afraid of you. And so you can interact in a very different way. And I've seen videos and different things of people really getting to know nature in, in a city. And so I, I love that you are finding that even within a more urban space because nature really is everywhere. I mean, I have a, I, I grow, I have a pollinator garden for the birds and the bees and the butterflies. And one of the things I grow is milkweed for, for monarchs. So I have monarchs every year. It's awesome. But there's this um, milkweed that's growing, not even near there, just growing up out of a crack in the uh, of the driveway that part of the driveway that's paved. And I'm like, Hey, milkweed, what are you, doing? you know, just coming <laughs> up like, like just resilience, you know, coming through that crack of cement. And so I water it and let it grow. And, um, yeah, it's really beautiful the way nature can find its way 
through the cement and the urban landscape and still we can still connect and people can also just grow a plant. I'm, I'm amazed how many students I'll sit with and they'll say, oh, I'm terrible at growing plants. I'm like, no, you're really not. It's just a forgetting. It's a disconnect. Try it. You know, it's so much easier than people realize. And even having plants in pots in your home, if you're in a super, super urban place is such a great way to bring in that green and that talk about feeding your soul and your literally your breath and connecting with the plant spirits and that energy. Yeah. It's so <laughs> vital. Yeah. You're speaking my language completely. I would, thankfully I grew up in a home um, where my parents always had tons of plants and like, that's just a necessity wherever I go. When it comes to decoration, I'm like books, plants, <laughs> And right. I'm pretty good. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot a bed, but I've got books and plants. I'm good. I'll sleep on the books. Yeah. Those are the important things in life, books and plants. I'm right there with you. <laughs> so before we transition, I do want to ask real quick, because I'm just, again, curious. And I know that uh, my listeners would also really like to know, like, what would you consider um, some traits of like a shamanic soul, like someone who might be more drawn to this um, from your perspective? Drawn to re to work with someone or drawn to do it themselves, walk that path? Either or. Okay. You know, I think um, just someone with a shamanic soul, like what are some of the traits? Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like we all have a shamanic soul. It's just a matter of whether we choose to explore that aspect of ourselves. But um, definitely people who feel sensitive to, to energies, perhaps uh, have oracle abilities, psychic abilities, very much in tune with nature. But that, you know, again, I'm saying a lot of general things. So this could, <laughs> um, draw a lot of people in. I mean, the, the shamanic path, as I said, is uh, traditionally, it's a path of power. So if someone feels that they've lost their power, which is very much how I felt, growing up. I didn't have that terminology for it, but it's exactly how I felt. I had, I had, I just didn't have my power. Um, then someone could be drawn to that. It, it's not the, I wouldn't say it's the easiest path, you know, doing, walking a path of doing, you know, like an energy worker path or a channeler or something. I'm not saying those are easy or simple, but it could possibly be a lot more easy than feeling called to a shamanic path. Um, but the work that I do, I have trained traditionally while also working with my guides in the realm so that I can work with anybody pretty much. I mean, I'm not called to work with everybody, but I have learned over the years to integrate the traditional with what especially the western mind needs because the western mind needs psycho spiritual healing not simply spiritual healing we our brains uh, we're dealing with different stuff um, and we overthink everything <laughs> um, so and we have more of a disconnect right than than the indigenous folks walking traditional paths and so i as far as the people who might be called to do the work and it, with someone like me, I have made it accessible to people, whether they want to walk a shaman's path or not. And even if it's not something they want to do that kind of healing work forever, it could still, it could still very accessible to everybody. But for those who want to walk that path, you want to go sit with someone who does, you know, the work and see 
how it resonates for you because it's not for everybody. There's, but it's also one path and a path of many, and there's lots of ways to do, to do the work. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I think it's a, I think it's an interesting, uh, just an interesting question that I feel kind of comes, you know, comes out a little bit differently depending upon who you're talking to. So, um, wonderful. So let's shift into energy, which is just one of my favorite topics as of late. And I guess first, like, I'm just kind of curious if you have personally really been feeling this intense pull to like, I, okay, this is really like a multi-pronged question, so we can dive into it from whatever direction you feel, but like, I have been feeling such a huge push and also experiencing this in my own life to not only encourage and show people how to energetically protect them, but it has just become such a massive thing in my own life. I feel like with the times, you know, over the past few months, I feel like it's come in really strongly and it's always been a a part of my practice, but I feel like it has like really come in strong, uh, just in the past few months, like I just mentioned, but I'm curious if you have felt this or experienced this or like kind of where you're at with that. And then I'd also love to hear like where, um, energetic protection comes in for you. If that is a part of your practice or just whatever you'd like to speak on regarding that. So in your first question, you're asking more specifically about energetic protection really being necessary at this time. I was just curious, like if you have okay. been feeling like, whoosh, it's just right. felt like the energy has shifted so intensely that, I mean, I personally like 100% cannot wake up in the morning anymore without putting on my pr- protection almost immediately. Cause there's so much in the collective. Mm. Um, okay. so I was just curious if you have also been experiencing that. No, I have not, but that's because I took care of that years ago. So those of you who are still um, needing to learn about sovereignty, yes, you need to be putting yourself in that bubble of light or whatever you're doing. I, that's automatic for me. It's, I, I don't need to protect anymore, but I've been doing this work for years to get to a place where, and I don't mean that in a snooty way at all. I just mean coming from experience of years. Um, I feel the energies you're talking about, but they're, they can't mess with me, um, because of the work I've been doing over the years. So I don't play in those realms anymore where they can mess. They, they go mess with the people who are still learning to not get messed with, if that makes sense. And that just comes with time and experience. And I'm in my fifties and I've been doing this a while. I used to work with energetic protection. That's the way I was trained. Um, you know, working with plant medicine and especially ayahuasca, you know, traditionally needing to the, the maestros, the vegetalistas leading ceremony, needing to protect themselves from, from brujos who would, you know, attack them and try to take their power. And it's not just in ayahuasca. That's in a, a lot, you know, that can be found in other spaces too. Not in all spaces, not everybody works that way, but it, it's, it is a traditional way that things have happened. So Um, So I was trained about the whole energetic protection and, and being attacked and all of that. And I walked through that for a number of years before I learned from my guides 
if I'm in a protective stance, I'm creating defense. And if I'm creating defense, I'm creating resistance and whatever I resist persists. Oh, so it's like every time I create that protection, I'm um, inviting in the need to use it. So that started transitioning for me over the years of doing this work. And, and I started shifting to, I was still looking for languaging for it, like energetic clarity, you know, using words besides protection, because there's times when we need that, but it's also a, a defensive stance, which invites in the opportunity for it to be checked to see if it, to see if we're, what are, what we got there works, right? So what's, what I've learned over the past two and a half decades is to be in sovereignty, which I believe is exactly what you're doing every morning when you're like girding your loins energetically, right? You're coming back to your sovereignty. You're coming back to your autonomy and sovereignty. You know, we call the sovereign queen sovereign because she's a country unto herself. Nobody gets to tell her how to run the show, right? So when you're sovereign, unto yourself and you create your own, what I call my medicine world space. Um, I live in my medicine world space so that I'm in the world, but not of the world, right? As Jesus said. So it's not that I don't feel and hear and have my feels and opinions about all the things, especially lately with Supreme Court votes and all these things and the rights of women and the rights of marginalized people and, and LGBTQIA and indigenous rights and Black Lives Matter. I have all of my feels about that. I also am at a point where I'm working um, more within the matrix as opposed to within the story. I still sign petitions. I still make my voice heard. I still am an ally for people. I'm about being anti-racist. Like that's, we need to do the third dimensional. We need to be, we need to show up and be an ally, especially as, as, people of, with white skin and, and the privilege that we carry because of that. And I'm also doing work in spaces that are not where a lot of people are working. And there are some of us that do that work there because we're called. It's a different, it's like working on a different part of the starship or whatever. We've all got important jobs. I just happen to be going into some spaces that I don't really talk about much unless people are really called to go into those places. So I work with this idea of protection, really coming back to a place of sovereignty. And I have, I have guides that I work with in the realms. I activate the energetic grid. And I do that every day to simply remind myself that I'm in it. Um, and then when the waves come, because that's the thing, like kind of circling back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, like remembering who we are, tapping in with our gifts and our, our abilities then we're really strong in our inner pillar. So when we're standing strong in our inner pillar and those waves come, we don't get bowled over. You know, we can stand strong. And then eventually you can just surf them. And that, that's what I do at this point is surf those waves, right? Whenever I can. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't have emotions or I don't have, I mean, yesterday I woke up so grumpy and I was like, and I was just <laughs> poopy all day. I messaged a friend of mine. I'm like, I am just like, annoyed by life today. What is up? And so I just excavated it and worked with it. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean I don't have my feelings, but I, I don't need to protect at this point. 
because it's simply, I'm not living in certain programs and paradigms anymore that, that people that I did live in and had to walk through and learn and do my work, commit to my work and my healing so that I, I don't, you know, those waves don't bowl me over like they used to. I love that. I feel like what you're talking about is exactly what I do every day. Cause it's, it's definitely for me, at least I am just as you said, just as Jesus said in the world, but not of the world. And that's certainly where I want to be. And I definitely want to be a part of everything that's going on. And I advocate for that, you know, for everyone to do what they feel called, but I know that I can't show up and be who I'm supposed to be if I am not, you know, really making that a top priority for myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, you definitely have to do your own work before you can really be in service to others, for sure. I tell people all the time, stop jumping out of the boat, you know, to try to get other people in. You got to stay in the boat. You got to do your self-care first. You got to do your work and then you know, then you can lift an arm out and help and show people how to get in. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So help me understand then the difference. And I know just like, um, if I was listening, I would be kind of confused because I feel like, um, like the difference, like what you're talking about, how like putting up this protection where it kind of calls more to you versus the sovereignty. So like maybe give me a practical example of like how those would look each way. Um, cause I know for me, like every morning, you know, I call my energy back to me. I call in guides that I have. I ask them to be with me, clear out my mind, clear out my energetic field, you know, those sorts of things. And just make sure that what is in me is, is mine, um, or something that might be in my highest and best if that comes. But, um, so that is like a general overview of what I do, but what would, um, does that, feel similar to you in regards to like the sovereignty piece or does that feel more like protection or I just love to have like a practical kind of example to differentiate the two. Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of nuance to the answer though. Um, Some of it will be what's excavating the energy that's underneath it, the energy that's behind it Um, and really being like the intention yeah, the intention will be more at the top. The intention will be what we think the intention is. And then underneath that will be what programs are running that intention. So sometimes people set this intention that they're going to be protected in love and light, and they don't think that they're bringing any fear to it. But there can be those subtle nuanced energies. They're running under the surface. And until we do the healing work to find out that's coming up. We don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. We don't know until we know that's why we do the work, but that's why I encourage people to commit to doing your healing work. So, you know, working with people as I do in lots of different ways, but soul retrieval and, and, and different things to really excavate what's underneath the need for protection. And, and even as you feel, I don't mean you, I mean, the Royal you, even as you feel, great. I'm surrounding myself, calling in my guys that everything feels great. Um, then, you know, a wave comes and, and you feel this need for it. 
that to me says there's something there going on. The fact that you feel the need for it, no judgment, just have awareness of, oh, why do I feel the need to really be doing this right now? And so just excavating that with curiosity of what is it, you know, you said you're feeling this energy in the last few months. Okay. What is it I'm feeling? What's it triggering? What's it activating? What programs am I running that it's even getting my attention? And just with curiosity at really being willing to excavate deeper and deeper and deeper, just rotor rooter down into that. And until you really start getting into the seeds of the programs. And so that is to, that to me is what the work is about. And there I've, you can, again, the Royal, you, you can, we can all do work at a certain place level is a weird term, but I have to use these, this English language and these human words. So there can be often the intention will be one thing. And people think that they're sovereign in their intention, but they're not really autonomous with that energetically and they don't realize it. So um, again, not speaking to you per se, speaking in answer to the question. So for me, the work is about really being willing to excavate that because then you can feel the nuance between what is protection from defense or fear or trigger or reactivity and what is simply being in the world without any need for protection because you are protected because you also don't need protection because you're always safe. You see what I'm saying? It's this, again, that spiraling. So it's a nuanced thing that takes time to live into and to heal into and then you drop in and you feel the difference so when i activate the grids and and do that one i do it because i work from home and so i i'm bringing other people's energies and what they're carrying into my space and two i do it because they're my friends it's like when you go out and visit with the squirrels um it's kind of like that i'm like Hey everybody. Good morning. How are you? And I'm, I'm acknowledging the, the grid and the space and the medicine world and all the things that I've created shamanically to, to work with acknowledging that because I'm human. And, and that's part of my practice is to make sure I remember I'm not activating it for protection. I'm, I'm simply going, Oh, look at this. Yay. I'm so glad the space is here. Hey, everybody. Does that make sense? It's, it's very nuanced and I have no judgment about how anybody's doing it. I'm just coming from a place of having spent enough decades where there will be those subtle shifts that you'll feel as you go. And, and even, even in my journey, you know, when the pandemic happened and we're getting gaslighted, I felt triggered by all the gaslighting. We've got millions of people dying and nobody's communicating. Like, I I was like, Ooh, this is triggering some childhood gaslighting stuff. Let me go look at it. Like it brought up that fear or that safety thing rather, which is fear. Right. So there's always new places, even for me to go find little seeds, little nuggets. Right. So when, when shamanism is such a pain in the butt that way, it, everything's yes. And yes. Right. That's shamanism. Everything's yes. And yes, it's all yes. You'll know it when you know it, you'll feel it when you feel it, it'll drop in. And the biggest piece to check is the ego because people think they've dropped in and it, and the ego might be kind of running the show. And so constantly excavating so that the ego isn't, is simply a tool that is part of our journey and not convincing us that we're all, all healed up, good to go. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, I guess what I'm what I'm really taking from that or at least like the way it really resonates with me just to kind of um simplify it maybe even further down and this is of course just from my own understanding is again like I kind of mentioned a second ago like the intention like the intention of like when I when I call this in in, in the morning or like when I realize I'm being kind of pulled I don't do it from a place of fear it's more so again, just a place so that I can come back to myself. And I definitely make sure to leave that, um, that open space of, you know, anything that's in my highest and best, like that, that ability for things to come through, because of course they do come through. And I feel like within that space, the things that do really affect me or rock me are these things that need to be looked at versus feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm scared of the world. I'm scared of everything happening. Also, I love hanging out with my guides too. Like life is better <laughs> with them with me. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like that's different than like, like it kind of feels, and I know that these are a bit extreme, but um, again, just to try and simplify, like the other side kind of being like, I'm scared from a place of fear. I need to be protected. I can't be out here on my own. Um, come help me take care of everything. Like that sort of a difference is that I, I know that again, that's sort of general and, and, and more extreme. I mean, that, that, that's a, a good simplification, but I'm talking about the nuances of having the things that we say, our intention, our energy body, and then our physical body doing three completely different things energetically. And that can be happening when people don't know it. They think they're coming from their intention is to be from this space. And then I'm looking at them and their intentions here and their bodies here and their energy bodies over there. And their actual motivation is over here. And they don't recognize that they're not sovereign with, they're not all, you know, sovereign within themselves. And that's where the healing work comes in because we learn to live, especially if people have grown up with any kind of trauma, we learn to live kind of disjointed and separated from ourselves. And that's where the disconnect from nature comes from and the disconnect or, or people will be so into nature and animals and can't deal with humans. They'll kind of go the opposite direction, but it's still um, a, a disconnected space that's not really balanced. So uh, there, there can be those two spaces you're talking about. I'm kind of talking about this more middle area because it's really important to me to be aware of that space and the nuance I've seen a lot of spiritual bypass in the world um, and different things. And, and so that nuance place is what I'm speaking to um, because it's more obvious what you just said. Yes. There's both of those. There's kind of, like you said, the two end, the bookends there where it's more obvious to people, but if someone is like, Hey, I'm good. I'm not feeling scared. Da, da, da. That's great. Come back to that nuanced place and just look and see if your intention, your energy body, your physical body, your motivation, when you deep, deep, deep down, go into all the excavated seeds of the programs, see if they're still in alignment. And that that's makes not, total sense. Okay, good. Cause that's, I was going to say, that's not exactly an easy thing to explain. So it might be still little 
amorphous for people, but it's a it's a nuanced place that is can be challenging to put language to. Yeah, for sure. That's why I wanted to just kind of keep diving into it because I definitely want folks to, I think, be able to have something to walk away with and think about. And I definitely see when you were kind of breaking those up, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I might think that this is my intention and I might think that this is what I'm doing. And then like my trauma self in the middle, this is what is actually happening underneath of that. Right. And And we can be very unconscious of that for a long time. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, no, that makes total sense to me. Thank okay. you. Um, so in that, like when it comes to like, do you have any sort of um, practices that you could share with us that will help to bring those together and or clear clear something out if something if somebody's kind of hit with something? Um I mean, I I can offer the practices that are on my YouTube channel. I put practices there to support people. It's not, you know, meant to be a a stand-in for actually working with someone. It's important to to work with with someone, whether it's a shamanic practitioner, therapist, or anybody else, in order to get that reflection. Yeah. So, and I and I, I. I hesitate to say, oh, try this or try this because everybody's different. And some people are going to need some cord clearing and forgiveness. And some people are going to need some soul retrieval based. I mean, we could use all of that, but based on whatever they're bringing. So, but on my YouTube channel, you mentioned some of those videos and they're, they're audio, really, there's no video there. Um, There's a video of me doing interpretive dance. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Totally kidding. Just a recording. And, um, uh, you know, cord clearing and forgiveness is is probably the most watched shamanic journey I have on there because, and that's why I recorded it because it's so powerful um, to help start stepping out of those hooks, cords, and attachments that we have with people, not just in this lifetime but throughout lifetimes, timelines, dimensions, and realms. As far as specifically that disconnect within ourselves that we may not even be fully aware of, there's a general soul retrieval recording there. But it's important, I would encourage people to go and sit with someone who can do soul retrieval and actually do some of that work when, when we have, even if it's not extreme trauma, you know, there's trauma that's so obviously trauma. And then there can be little things that happen even as adults that we just don't realize a a soul piece just kind of disengaged because we didn't, you know, if, if you almost hit somebody with your car, but you don't like in that, that jolt, a piece of, you know, a soul piece can kind of step out because that's a protective mechanism. And so um, to be doing the soul retrieval work can definitely help with bringing those, those pieces together. I work with lineage, karma clearing. There's a video of that there. I mean, definitely working with the ancestral programs and energies and, wounds as well as gifts that have been passed down through our DNA, the collective programs. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of ways to go, but um, yeah, checking out the, the YouTube, just bloom post on YouTube, there's things they can check out, but I would also just caution that if someone starts using those videos and it, if it feels too intense or scary or uh, emo- too emotional and you're, you're in it and you can't really hold the space for yourself, then reach out and we'll do a session. I, I don't want anybody to 
um, create more trauma, you know, through trying to self heal in any kind of way. I've, I've sat with, I've sat in spaces where it felt traumatic. It was a healing space that felt like I was receiving trauma to heal trauma. And that's just no, not okay for me. It needs to be a trauma informed space. So a lot of the videos on there, people can do on their own, but sometimes if you're trying to clear cords with a major abuser, you want somebody there who can really hold a safe container for you. And so those are the times when I encourage sitting with someone. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely um, good advice. I think big difference from like had a bad interaction with someone to, you know, someone you grew up with who is abusive or traumatizing. Um, I love, love, love the cord clearing video and use it often. Like kind of, I talked about for like the smaller sort of icky interactions or like if something happens with someone who's not, yeah, fully in my life, but has (laughs) deeply upset me or, (laughs) and I love them. Um, I'm a huge fan of that particular video. So I want to mention, can I just mention real quick, since you mentioned that you can use the cord clearing and forgiveness video for people you never want to see again and really don't want to have a relationship with, but you can also use it for people you love and adore. Yeah. Um, You can use it for, to clean up the energy in your partnership. I had a, I was taking care of a dog. I had a dog and she um, had come from abuse. I was anyway, I had her. And for the first day or two, she wouldn't even let me pet her. This was years ago. And I was feeling, I was feeling triggered because I couldn't help her feel safe. And, and my friend said, why don't you just do a cord clearing with her? I'm like, of course, you know, <laughs> so I did this, I did the cord clearing. Um, and the next day she just started to open up. And so I just want people to know that it's not just about removing people from your world. Cause that's not really what it's about at all. It's throughout lifetimes, timelines, dimensions, and realms. So that whatever our experience was with them in another realm, where maybe we were not the nice person, we're cleaning that up too, but it's not a cutting and, and, and cord cutting was something I was trained in traditionally and learned through my guides over years of practice. I kept watching myself and others cut the cords, but it just kept creating resistance, which created persistence. It just, it wouldn't really fully clean up. And we were cutting the cords just here in this third dimensional experience, um, this lifetime. So learning from my guides over the years to do cord clearing and forgiveness so that we clean up the unhealthy attachments and empower the healthy connection. So if there's somebody you don't want in your sphere, you're creating forgiveness, you're cleaning it up throughout all the lifetimes, timelines, dimensions, and realms. And then you're in a certain vibration that they just can't link with anymore. So it's, there's a lot more grace and ease to it. And I will say that my whole world is about grace and ease at this point. So there's a lot of grace and ease to it. And I want people to know that it can be used it can be used with people, places, situations, and things. And it can be used even with people you love and adore, even with your kids, you know, you just want to clean up the energy and then you have a a healthier connection with them. So I just want to put that in there. And as far as, you know, you were talking about using it with people, maybe you have a funky interaction with is different than some, you know, a DNA or an ex boyfriend or ex girlfriend or whatever. Often we need to do the cord clearing more than once with those kinds of relationships. Whereas if somebody at the grocery store just really hurt your feelings, you could probably do it once and be good. But, you know, like you said, if it's, if there's more energy, if there's DNA, if there's 
sexual relationship, all of that, then you probably want to do it more than once until it feels really clear for you. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I've done it with my mother, with whom I have a tough relationship and a number of different things. Um, I always feel better afterwards, regardless. So um, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I really want to dive in before we have to (laughs) close things down just to talk about cacao for a hot minute um, because I am such a huge fan of cacao. I would drink it every morning. It it eventually makes me break out, unfortunately, Mm. but um, I'd love to hear why cacao is such a powerful plant medicine and, and like why you, why you choose to work with it. Um, you know, potentially some of the benefits, those sorts of things with folks. Um, yeah, I, I just, I love cacao so much. Yeah. Well, and it's an antioxidant. So that's part of why it's not really great to drink every day. I I know from personal (laughs) experience, having tried it and also with cacao, if you drink or ingest more than about two and a half ounces of it, per day, it can make you really sick. And there was a time in my life when I just didn't believe that the basis of chocolate could ever, ever, no, you can't have enough chocolate. And so I would try more to see, no, it's not, it's not a good idea. I learned the hard way. Um, so cacao is the basis of chocolate. It's a superfood. It's very popular and trendy now, and it's an antioxidant and it, um, you know, amps up the, when you ingest it, it, it's a, I'm forgetting the word, but it opens up the blood flow and the, the brain and all of that. And it, and it hits those dopamine receptors similar to cannabis and other plant medicines. So it can be a very heart opening experience. It's been called the food for the shift, things like that. And, um, you know, it really is meant for me at this point in my life, it really is meant to be used only as medicine. I don't really eat chocolate or drink cacao regularly anymore um, because it really is such a powerful, powerful plant medicine. Um, I choose to work with it because she chose me. Um, I work with uh, a few, I mean, I work with different plant medicines, but the ones that I work and share with people are the ones that asked me to do so. And again, my response back in the day when, when the plants would ask, well, no, I couldn't possibly, what do I do? And then they would show me. Um, and it all flowed. It was just part of that natural process. Cause I used to lead ceremonies without ingesting anything at all and, and connecting in with the energetics, with the spirits of things energetically and empowering people in that way, singing medicine songs, shamanic journeying, and then having the plants make their way into my life and ask me to, to be a, a conduit for them. So that's how I came to it and also why I do it because she asked me to. And, and, um, and then I went to Peru and I did a traditional tree dieta um, with an ayahuasca with cacao, which there aren't really, they don't really do traditional dietas with cacao, um, but that I found an ayahuasca who would do that for me. And so really just creating a relationship with the plants is it's just so important for me and my journey, but cacao can be so supportive to people in in a ceremonial space to open the heart, um, help with more grace and ease and without being psychotropic. It's not psychedelic. 
you know, but it has the grace and ease to start pushing some of that overthinking out of the way so that we can really, really connect with our hearts. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a beautiful medicine. She's very powerful, you know, just as powerful as any psychotropic, but she can bring a lot of grace and ease. Yeah. Yeah. I love cacao. All right, Miss Bloom. So let's go ahead and dive into the lightning round. And, um, I'm going to be shifting one of my very last questions a little bit for us, but, um, so number one, uh, what is the one habit that you can't live without? I know I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to give you like short little concise answers, but my practice has to been to, to not have habits, but to have practices. I'm being, this is all about conscious languaging. I know I'm ruining the fun of your lightning round. (laughs) And it's important to me because habits to me are things that we do unconsciously when we fall back, when we're in our poop and we're not, you know, we fall back on habits and I choose to fall back on practices. So a practice I cannot, did you say I cannot live without? Yep. So I would say a practice that I consciously choose to not live without is um, right now, my most fun practice that I'm enjoying is every morning. The first thing I do is juice celery juice. And I start my day with a glass of water and a glass of celery juice to live that food as medicine thing. So food as medicine is definitely a practice that I cannot live without. Love it. Okay. Number two, what does spirituality mean for you? This is, these are big questions for a lightning round. You're supposed to ask me like my favorite color or something. Um, what's your favorite curse word? Um, I like to this, challenge my guests. I guess. know. I love it though. I love it. I'm trying to come up with a quick, a, a pithy answer. Spirituality for me is about connecting with spirit and whatever that means to each human who does so. All right. Love it. Number three. Uh, advice to anyone who's looking to find their purpose. Breathe into your belly. Um, you're on your journey, even if you feel like you have no idea where you're going or what you're doing, that is part of the journey. And then reach out for somebody who can support you because we all need reflection. We all need support. We all need someone who has walked their path hopefully a little longer who can help us walk ours. Love it. Okay. And last question, which you don't, this isn't a short question. Um, so I would love for you to share with us how different ways in which people can work with you. And then of course, uh, where they can find you. Oh, sure. See, that's a lot easier. Um, <laughs> bloompost.com, my name, bloompost.com is my website. And um, there's all sorts of online offerings there. We're actually doing an online event tonight. I offer a monthly mentorship, um, which is very affordable. We meet the first Tuesday of every month. We always shamanic journey. I do a little teaching and it's recorded. So if you can't be there, you still don't, you don't miss out on anything. That's, I really encourage people to check that out. Um, I have books on my website, a plant spirit totem book, as well as um, Shaman's Toolbox, the first book I ever wrote many, many moons ago. Um, Yeah, and we have cacao ceremony every month. We have other ceremonies listed on the website. So my website's the best place to find me, bloompost.com. And as as we talked about earlier, 
on YouTube. If you just go to Bloom Post, there's all sorts of videos there. You can see me being serious. You can see me being goofy. You can see all the things. And then the shamanic journeys that we talked about. So, and if someone wants to work with me, send me an email. Um, you don't have to live in Western North Carolina to work with me. I work with people from all over the world and the work is done in the realms. So you don't have to be in person to get the same you know, experience, to get the same response, to get the same support. So yeah, lots of different ways to work with people. And I really do love this work. I keep calling it work, but it, it's never been a job for me. It's always been a calling. I absolutely love it. If there, this is work that this is, it's not even work. It's just my passion. It's my calling. It's the practice. And I absolutely love doing it. And I love sitting with people. So, yeah. I call it the soul path. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my soul path. It's definitely, I'm so grateful. I mean, and, and that's what I, that's the vision I hold for people is that they get to live into their gifts and their medicine and, and their soul journey, whatever that is, be the be the maestro, maestra version of you. And again, that might be the most amazing mother on the planet doing all this mojo for your kids and be with community. It might be that you want to do healing work. You might want to be in sports. It doesn't matter. You can still bring all of your medicine to any path and just thrive. And I just really hold that vision for everybody. Well, thank you so much for being here, Bloom, and sharing your time with yeah. us. I could thank keep you. talking to you for, yeah, a long time, but really appreciate your time and your wisdom and sharing with us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I super appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been yeah, fun. We made it, it through. We did. <laughs> All right, folks. If you were inspired by today's interview, make sure to share it with someone who could benefit Leave us a review on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and sign up for my email list where I share everything from podcast updates to helpful resources. Don't forget when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week.